Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. How cool is that? Love it. Man, the fact that we've got a class that our kids can take when they're asking questions and trying to learn more about the things of Christ, and we have a group of people who are willing to teach them. And moms and dads, thank you for your faithfulness. It's on you, right? It's on you. And you're doing a great job with these kids, and I just want to encourage you what you're doing. Uh, keep up the good work. Fight the fight. It's worth it. A lot of hard days sometimes, and struggles will come. Parents, and, and a lot of us are kind of right in the mix with you, but we're praying for you, and we're excited about what the Lord's doing in the hearts of your kids, and we're so excited about celebrating here in a little while with them their very first Lord's Supper. So let me pray for us tonight, and we're going to jump right in. Father, we just thank you for these kids, Lord. And for so many others that have come before them and so many others that will come after. We just praise your name, Lord. This is a work of grace. It's a beautiful picture of who you are. Beautiful picture of your love for us, Father. How Christ came to die on the cross for our sins. Even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And we understand that, Lord. We proclaim that. We fall on that truth, Father. Praise your name for it. Thank you for these children, for what it means for us as a church family, Lord, now to celebrate this together with them. Lord, I pray this will be a very meaningful day for them, for their families, Father, for those of us that get a chance to to share it with them. And now be with us as we open the truth of your word, Father. We want to understand you more deeply. Father, we want to trust you. We want to follow you. We want to hear from you. So through your word right now, speak to us very clearly. Father, may we, may we be challenged, confronted. Father, may we be transformed as we pray every Sunday morning, more and more to the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. I'd like to invite you to take your Bibles and open to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. If you're uh, new with us this morning, welcome. We're so glad you're here. A lot of new people are here at our church over these last many weeks, and we're excited to have you. Let me just reiterate what Joe said as you're finding 1 Corinthians chapter 11. By the way, if you don't have a Bible with you, grab one in front of where you're sitting. That black hardbound book, you can take that out and open to 958. 958, that's 1 Corinthians chapter 11. But if you're new with us this morning, I want to welcome you and invite you. We've got a guest luncheon at my house right after the services this morning. You're welcome. You don't have to sign up. You can just show up. It's free. It's just a chance for you to get to know us and for us to meet you a little bit if you're interested After you've gone to your small group Sunday school, you can meet us right out here at the Connect desk, and we'll have people there to meet you and greet you and kind of explain to you how to get to my house. We'd love to have you. My family and I will be there. Our staff will be there. Just love to hang out with you a little bit more and get to know you this afternoon. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we're continuing our study this morning in our sermon series that we've entitled Defining Us, Connect, Grow, Serve, and we've kind of cast a vision statement for our people. We've challenged you and encouraged you to see this. And to know this, and I hadn't told you this yet because we're just kind of in the beginning of this, but by the end of this series, I'd like for all of y'all to have memorized this. It's not a lot, pretty simple, pretty straightforward, but it'll help you be reminded of what we're challenged to do, of kind of who we're challenging you to be and the direction you want to go. So let's pull that up if we would, and I want to read it to you again and then talk back through it. We want you to connect to Jesus and his church, grow in faith and understanding of God's word, and serve Jesus here and around the world. It's a simple biblical model. We're not reinventing the wheel. We're simply taking biblical truths that the Lord teaches us about the church and about his salvation through Christ, and we're applying them to this congregation, to this local body of believers, and now we're challenging you to be part of it. And so we've preached through now the first kind of section, the connected Jesus and his church, and we've thought through salvation 
We've thought through what it looks like to connect with Jesus with salvation. We talked about baptism last week and the beautiful picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And then this morning, we're going to be talking about the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper, as Philip talked about a few minutes ago, one of the two ordinances. We call them ordinances because Jesus ordained us to do them. He commanded us to do them. He talks about baptism. We're commanded to be baptized as followers of Christ. And we're commanded to take of the Lord's Supper. And so this morning, we're going to think about connection to Jesus. We're going to think about connection to his church through the Lord's Supper. So I want to jump right in this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. You can follow along where you're sitting. You can look at it on the screen. But as we read this, I want to challenge you with something. As we're reading through this passage of Scripture and, and kind of thinking through it together and, and hearing the words of Paul and figuring out how to apply them to our lives and to our church, I want you even now to be preparing your hearts. Prepare your hearts for the Lord's Supper. Prepare your hearts to receive the word of the Lord. Prepare your hearts to hear all he has to say to you. So when we partake of this together and we're reminded of who Christ is in our hearts and in our minds, we'll be prepared. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 17, the words of Paul speaking to the church at Corinth. He says, In the following instructions I do not commend you, because when you come together it's not for the better but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. Verse 23. For I received from the Lord what is also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, I want to think this morning about the Lord's Supper, and I want to do it in the context of 1 Corinthians. And so something you need to understand about the church at Corinth very quickly before I give you this first truth is that the people of the church at Corinth were dealing with disunity. They were dealing with struggles, they were dealing with divisions, they were quarreling, they were fighting, they were arguing. And so all of Paul's letters, and 1 Corinthians is one example of Paul's letters that he wrote to the New Testament church, are all examples typically of counteracting or teaching against some problem within the church. Paul would see the church, he would hear about the struggles, he would interact with the leadership, and he would write a letter and help them better understand how they needed to correct their actions. So when Paul sees their disunity, the thing he reminds them of, the thing he teaches them, what he wants them to see is that the Lord's Supper is this beautiful opportunity to gather together as a body of Christ and to see all that Jesus did and reconnect in unity together. So this first truth I want you to see, and we're going to kind of work through it together. We have it on the screen. Is that the Lord's Supper connects us to Christ and each other by encouraging unity. Right, one, of the, one of the big reasons we do this is to be unified together in this action of the Lord's Supper. Because Paul recognizes divisions in the church. He says it right there in verse 18. I hear that there are divisions among you. They'd been fighting, they had been arguing, and they had been 
kind of tearing each other apart. And so Paul says, listen, I need you to understand, you don't need to be disunified. You don't need to have disunity. You don't need to have arguments among you. Instead, as a, as a church of Christ, as a, a group of followers of believers, people that come together, you should find unity in the things you do because of who Christ is. Now, the idea of unity is found all through the New Testament. And I'm going to give you just a few examples. I don't want you to look them up. You can just write the notes down and Read them later if you want to. But I want you to listen to just some of the scriptures in the New Testament that point to this idea of unity. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul, the very beginning of this letter, says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and in the same judgment. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, he gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Right? We train and we equip so we can be unified. Colossians chapter 3, verse 14. And above all, put these on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Right? Paul says, listen, disunity on any level is bad. We know that, don't we? Right? Think about disunity at work. Any, don't raise your hand. Any, anybody here experience disunity at work? Yeah, of course. Right? Disunity at school. D disunity at home is a real problem for a lot of people. If you're disunified at home, you have problems between mom and dad or mom and kids or kids and dad or whatever it looks like. Right? You have problems on a sports team. There's problems if you have disunity. Right? All, all down the, the list in all aspects and all walks of life, when people are not together, when they're disunified, there's a problem. Imagine people in a boat and they're all rowing in a different direction. It's chaotic. But here's what we need to understand. This is important. When, when there's division in the church, it's even worse. In fact, it's deadly. Because we all know the stories, don't we, of people that argue over the, the, the simplest, silliest, most ridiculous things in a church that lead to more and more argument that eventually lead to church splits. Right? We all know those stories. Let, let's argue over the color of the carpet. By the way, I think we ought to redo this carpet to mauve pink. What do you all think? Is that good? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Motion carries. Let's move on. <laughs> Not sure what happened there, but that sounded good. Just kidding, Lord. We don't want to go back to mauve pink. It's easy for us to be, that was really funny. I'm not sure what happened there. Very easy for us to get in arguments and disagreements about simple things, about ridiculous things, right? Carpet color, paint color, seat color, whatever, you name it. Churches have fought over. And when there's disunity in the church, right? Because here's what I think. I think, well, I don't think I know, that what we're trying to accomplish is the most important thing in the world, right? Christ and his glory and his honor and all that we know about Jesus and sharing that with the world. And so if, if, the, if the devil can get in the middle of a church and break a church apart, disunify a church, cause divisions in the church, then he's won. One writer said it like this. The, the devil, speaking of Satan, seeks to divide and scatter the church that they may grow weak and be overthrown. The people of God should be united in their efforts. Right? Now that doesn't mean we, we always agree on everything. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what Paul's saying. There's going to be differing opinions. We get that. But in the overall purpose of what we're trying to accomplish and who Christ is and what we think we ought to do in the world, there's got to be unity. We've got to understand our calling in Christ. 
We've got to understand the significance of what we're trying to do and where he's leading us and why he's leading us there. And then we've got to be willing to say, you know what, I don't really care about this little stuff. I don't really care about the insignificant things of life. I care about reaching the world for Christ. I care about sharing his glory and his holiness with everybody that I see. So I'm willing to set aside even my own personal preferences for the sake of the kingdom. It's the idea of picking up our cross, of setting aside our personal desires, all for the sake of Christ. Paul says, listen, if you want to think about unity, if you want to think about coming together, you need to think about the Lord's Supper because it brings us together. It reminds us of who we are. It restores unity within the body. Now, I'm just very excited about our church and the direction our church is going and how the Lord is just blessing us and just calling us to do great things in the future. But even as good as things are right now, we always need to be on guard. Do you understand that? We should always be on guard for the enemy and his attacks and disunity among us. Because Paul says, Listen, if you really want to talk about destroying a church, then get everybody on their own page doing what they want to do, be disunified. And when that happens, the enemy wins. Paul says, listen, the Lord's Supper reminds us of the unity of the body. Now let's continue. Look at verse 23. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, right? This is just before he's going to walk out of the upper room and be arrested. When he was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We're going to come back to the idea of remembrance in a minute. Verse 25, In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Here's the second thing I want you to see this morning. The, the Lord's Supper unifies us. It brings us together. It reminds us of exactly who Christ is. The second thing I want you to see is that the Lord's Supper points to the new covenant in Christ. The Lord's Supper points to the new covenant in Christ. Now, I want you to see this with your own eyes. I always, I always really strive and work hard to teach you what the Scripture says. Not my opinion of it. And so I want to always show you where I kind of get these ideas from. I don't make them up. I'm drawing them right out of Scripture. So 1 Corinthians eleven twenty five. I want you to pull it up. Look at verse 25. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the, what is it right there? New covenant in my blood. Now, begs the question. If Jesus is speaking of the new covenant, then there must have been a what? Old covenant. Jesus wouldn't have said there's a new covenant if there had not been an old covenant. So I want to spend just a few minutes helping you understand the old covenant, kind of what it was, why it mattered, and how things are different now as Christ ushered in this new covenant idea. Now, the Old Testament is kind of filled with this idea of the covenant. And the covenant, very simply, is the relationship between God and his people. And it starts in the book of Genesis. In fact, you kind of see pictures of it with Adam and Eve you see pictures of it with Noah and the covenant he made with the rainbow. But when we get to Abraham, Abram in Genesis chapter 12, God really begins to kind of clarify and crystallize this idea of covenant. And so Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. 
And I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Right? The Lord calls Abraham out, gives him a clear commandment, asks him to go. Abraham obeys. And then in Genesis 17, the Bible says, Abraham was 99 years old when the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Now watch. Walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant, there's the word, between me and you and may multiply you greatly. So God establishes this covenant with the people of the Old Testament. I'm your God, you are my people. We see this with Moses as we continue our study in the Old Testament. We see this with David. We see this with a lot of the Old Testament prophets as they speak about the covenant. And it's interesting. And I, I had a whole section in here I just had to take out for time. How the Old Testament prophets looked ahead to the new covenant. They speak about that in the Old Testament. Looking ahead to one day what Jesus would do. But part of the Old Covenant when God came to his people is he established with the Jewish people laws. Right, the rules and regulations that the people of the Old Testament had to follow. In fact, if you look scripturally, there's something like 613 individual rules that the people of the Old Testament had to follow. 613. And when they failed to follow one of those laws, the Bible said they had to make atonement for their sins. Right? And you can read through Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers, the Old Testament books that explain this. When they committed a sin, when they broke one of these rules, they had to atone for their sins by offering a sacrifice. And so the book of Leviticus is just filled with all sorts of different sacrifices. If you do this, then sacrifice this. If you do this, then sacrifice this. Have this special feast. Have this special ceremony. Do everything you can to cover up your sins, to atone for your sins. Now, here's the problem with the law, right? This is where we're going with this. This matters. The problem with the Old Covenant, with the law between the people of Israel and the Lord, is that it didn't take the people of Israel very long to recognize we can't fulfill this law. It's impossible. Right? If you want to kind of know, this is a simple, kind of silly little example, but how difficult is it for you to follow the speed limit? Just ask yourself the question. For some of you, it's real hard. Right? We kind of edge over a little bit. We go a little bit faster. Imagine how difficult that is. We, it's impossible for us to keep oftentimes. The people of Israel realize, listen, I can't keep this law. I can't keep these rules. I've got to continue to sacrifice these animals to atone for my sin. And even within their failure of keeping the law, the Lord began to paint in their hearts and their minds this picture of one day the ultimate sacrifice will be made for you. Old Testament, Old Covenant, sacrifice animals to atone for the sins that we've committed. But the Lord begins to kind of build within their heart this idea of a new covenant, a new idea, one day when someone will come and forgive me of all my sins. And so even in the failure of the law of the Old Testament, even in the failure of the Old Covenant, God was creating in their hearts this desire, looking ahead to what one day Jesus would accomplish. And so we read verses like Hebrews chapter 10, verse 4. It says, For it is impossible... For the blood of bulls and goats to take away our sins. So here's the beautiful picture, right? This is what the new covenant means. The old covenant was the law. It was following the law. It was keeping these uh, rules and regulations. It was sacrificing animals and atoning for sin. The people of Israel could not keep that old covenant. When Jesus comes, pull that verse back up now, 1 Corinthians 11, 25. Pull it back up. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the what? It's the new covenant. Right, the old covenant that you've had to keep, the, the, the fulfilling of the law and the sacrifices, that now is over. You don't have to do that anymore because of the sacrifice of the blood of Christ. This is now a new covenant for you. You understand that? 
Jesus says, listen, everything's going to change. Now, this is just a side note, but I know it's kind of in our world right now, and, and I'm happy to talk to you in, in more detail about this. There's a lot of people in the world that when they kind of make fun of Christianity and, and they question the truth of the Bible, they want to go to Leviticus and they ask us, why don't we, why don't we, why don't we take a child that uh, is disobedient, take him to the gates of the city and stone the child, because that's what Leviticus is. It's because we're not under the old covenant anymore. We're living under the new covenant of grace. Christ says, listen, when I'm giving my life for you, when I'm sacrificing for you, I'm establishing this new covenant for forgiving you of your sins. Hebrews 10, verse 10 says, And by that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ once for all. You understand that? Hebrews goes on to say in chapter 13, verse 20, Now listen, here's the idea of the covenant. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Jesus says, listen, when I give my blood, when I give my body, when I sacrifice myself on the cross for you, there's a new covenant. You're no longer bound by the laws of the Old Testament. Instead, you're bound by grace. And Jesus says, listen, the Lord's Supper that we're going to partake of, when we eat of this bread and drink of this wine, we're remembering the new covenant. We're remembering all that Jesus has done for us. So I'm going to give you three things very quickly that matter for us. What does the new covenant mean for us? Like, Why does it matter? The new covenant is great. What does that mean for me now? Three things I want you to see. The first one is that through Christ we are forgiven. Praise the Lord for that. You don't live in this world anymore where every time you commit a sin, you've got to sacrifice an animal or have a certain ceremony or, or do something different, right? Because of the new covenant, the cause of Christ, everything is now changed. We have forgiveness through his blood. That's what the Bible teaches us. It's impossible for us to understand how difficult the old covenant must have been, but we just kind of imagine how hard that must have been for those people. Because of Jesus now, we have forgiveness of our sins. The second thing we see is we don't have to live in sin anymore. We're no longer controlled by it. Sin doesn't reign over us like it does a person that's never received Jesus. Because of Christ, because of what he accomplished, we don't have to live in sin anymore. We're not controlled by it. And then the third thing, we are brought back into a right relationship with God. This is a fascinating idea for me, and it's probably worthy of an entire sermon. But the, the idea is that Jesus, God, when he created the earth, uh, he created everything good, Genesis 1 and 2. Uh, the Bible talks about the relationship of Adam and Eve and God. And By the way, you should go back and read Genesis 1 and 2. Like it says that the, the, the Lord God walked in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve in the garden. Can you imagine that? I mean, can you imagine the Lord God walking in the cool of the day, fellowshipping with you, conversing with you, loving you, teaching you? Right? That's the relationship that God intended. He created us to live in community with him, to walk in the coolness of the day with him. Genesis 3, sin enters the world. That community, that relationship is fractured. It's broken. The rest of the Bible is about us trying to get back to that idea, right? A right relationship with God. It's only through the blood of Christ. It's only through his sacrifice. It's only because of this new covenant that we have now that we can now stand in a right relationship with the Lord. Righteous not because of who we are, but because of who Christ is in us. It's a beautiful picture. It's a beautiful reminder. Now, we need to finish this thing up. I want you to look again at 1 Corinthians 11. 
Look again at verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this, here's the word, in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Here's the third truth. The Lord's Supper connects us to Christ by remembering all he accomplished for us. The Lord's Supper connects us to Christ by remembering, remembering all he accomplished for us. You know, there's a lot of incredible things that Jesus did. He walked on water. You know, if I ever walk on water, I promise you, I want you to remember that about me. It's going to go on Instagram, Facebook, everything I got, I'm talking about it. Jesus rose people from the dead. He healed people. He gave the sight to the blind. He forgave sins. He taught. But of all the things that Jesus did, of all those incredible miracles, the thing he wanted us to remember more than anything else is his sacrifice. He says, listen, this is my body. This is my blood given for you. When you do this, what we're about to do here in just a few more minutes, you do this in remembrance of me. Right? The, the world kind of tears us apart, right? It, it pulls on us, and there's so many things we can do. There's so many activities we can be involved in. There's so many other places we can go, opportunities for us. There's so many activities and things that we could be involved in even right now. And it's difficult for us sometimes to kind of hone in and, and focus. But I just want to kind of spend the next really few minutes just kind of reining our hearts in, reining our minds in especially. There's the, there's the world out there that's going to be there when we leave. I promise we all know that. There's a million things we all probably need to do today. But in this moment, let's just kind of unify our hearts. Let's just unify our spirits. Let's remember Christ. So I want you to close up your Bibles, close up your notes, kind of settle in for a second, do what you got to do. And then I'm going to ask our team to come on up. Stacy and our, and our music team, if you guys will make your way up to the front. And as you kind of settle back in now, just kind of in the stillness of this place, I just want you to remember. I want you to remember what Christ did. It's easy to forget. It's easy to think about other things. It's easy to, to be concerned about the events of the day or activities or whatever we got to do. But just in this moment, God gives us this beautiful opportunity in the midst of this Lord's Supper just to remember him. Remember his death. Remember that his body was broken. Remember that his blood was spilled. Remember that he gave his life for your sins. Father, we thank you for this beautiful reminder of exactly who you are, exactly what Christ accomplished, how he gave his body, how he gave his blood. Father, allow us to remember him in all that we do in this very moment, Father. Lord, I pray that you would just open up our eyes to your truth. Father, I pray that we'd be challenged in our faith and, and challenged in our understanding of exactly who you are. And in this moment, Father, may we remember the sacrifice that you've given us, the sacrifice of your blood and your body. And we'll praise your name for all that you do. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You can stand. We're going to give you this opportunity in, in just a moment as, as we kind of prepare our hearts, even now as you're kind of thinking about what the Lord has done and, and all that he's accomplished and all that he's given you. We're going to give you this opportunity in just a minute to come as we sing. We may sing acapulco, acapello, whatever the word is. It's okay. This doesn't typically happen. I'm a little early maybe. I set us out some time so we could partake of the Lord's Supper.
That's okay. You know what? Let's do something. Let's do something. Don't play. You know what? Sometimes, sometimes we play and, and music uh, is beautiful, but sometimes it just gets in the way. Let's just stand in silence. And I mean that. When they come out, ask them not to play. Let's just stand in silence with our eyes closed. Let's just let the silence just kind of enter our hearts and just remember what Christ did for us. Just in the quietness of this place right now. quietness of our hearts his body broken for us his blood poured out for our sins the forgiveness that he offers us father may we remember set aside the distractions of the world father remind us right now of your glory and your beauty and your holiness in jesus name we pray amen now let's sing together this morning. You come as well. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.